G'day and welcome to Nutritious Conversations. I'm your host, Duncan McMartin. My intention is that these chats with my guests add as much richness to your life as they do mine. And you too can be inspired to indulge in nutritious conversations with friends, family, and complete strangers. Big love and enjoy. G'day everyone, um, welcome to another episode of Nutritious Conversation. I've got the lovely Dr. Sarah Farron. Again, we, we tried to do a bit of recording last week and we had, uh, uh, I would say the internet gods, but I'd actually say it's probably perfect timing. Um, I think that's uh, the philosophy that I sort of work from and I'm sure you do, Sarah. But welcome, Sarah, welcome. Thanks so much, Duncan. It's great to be here and, and share with the audience as always. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Um I usually kick off just with the any book that you're sitting in front of you at the moment that you're reading <laughs> at all. <laughs> that still hasn't changed. Um, so The Vital Truth, which is my first book, came out in 2006 and I'm in the process of editing, well, looking at things that I should probably edit in that because it hasn't been edited since it first came out. So mm. uh, it stayed exactly as it is. And I know that, you know, I've progressed and I've my language has changed. So I'm I'm reading that one at the moment, which is quite odd when you go back to read your own books that you you, you know, that you've written. But uh it's fun as well because sometimes I turn the page and go, wow, did I actually really write that? <laughs> so uh I do get that a lot. So it's good. Oh, that's exciting. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm tracking those books down as we speak. Um, I went to the local bookstore and I couldn't, couldn't see it there. So it's online, but I'll, I'll, I'll flick links and how I find it as well. And, and certainly I'll get the old copy of Vital Truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've also got the other one, The Health Illusion as well, which is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That doesn't need so much of an edit now. It came out in 2014 and uh, it's still you know, packs a punch today in in terms of the content in it and the journey that it takes people on. I share a lot more about myself in that book and my own Mm. journey, whereas The Vital Truth was more about, you know, stories of people that have um, looked at their health in a a different way. It's about 13 different stories in that, you know, intermittent with other things of my own personal life in that, but not so much. But The Health Illusion has more of my personal journey and then how I've come to know what I know now with regards to with regards to health, yeah. Actually, can we start there? Let's let's. Are we able to sort of tap in? What because there's, you know, I, I I'm just in awe and and fascinated and and more so inspired um, by what I've listened to um, in our small little connection, but also you know some of the the other interviews that you've done. Would would you be okay to sort of take us on a bit of a journey of how you got to this space of the innate? Yeah, it's been a long journey, actually, Duncan. (laughs) So, you know, it really started, I guess, you know, I I guess I can give you the the short and the skinny version um, Mm. so we don't take a lot of time in my background. But um, when I was young at the age of around five, 1972, and there was this surgeon that gave a late-breaking news report on TV and he spoke about the first brain surgery that he performed. I got up from the couch, told my parents that I was going to be a doctor, when I grew up and I wanted to be able to see inside the body, which was, you know, which I thought was amazing that someone could just open their brain up and do whatever they wanted to do and then close them up and the person was still alive the next day. I wanted to look inside and and understand how that kind of worked. Mm-hmm. Well, cut to when I went to school, it was, you know, pretty clear that I was, you know, not going to get to medicine um, or become that brain surgeon that I wanted to be. 
and I was very much um, people would have classed me back then uh, with dyslexic. I had semantic aphasia. I had the reading level of you know a, you know like a twelve year old when I was twenty seven. You know I was very very challenged with language. And uh, everyone used to call me dumb and dunce in the playgrounds and, you know, all that kind of journey that you have through school. And But there was this one lady called Miss Claire and she was extraordinary and she was my kind of my special needs teacher or my special English teacher. And I used to go to her every day for pretty much the whole of my school life. And every time I walked to her little brown door on the opposite side of the oval, didn't matter what age I was, I always said to myself, I'm going to be a doctor and change people's lives over and over and over again until I got to her door. She saw that I was very good at systems and so she used to teach me through systems. And um, then I became a lover of, of, of systems. Anyway, once I graduated from, uh, you know, from high school or left high school, um, I was, you know, well-versed with rowing and then I was selected into the Australian rowing team. I was living at the Institute of Sport. Um, I wasn't really studying at that time. When I retired from rowing, um, there was an opportunity to go and study physical education. And physical education for me was really easy because it was just systems. I was learning about the nerve system and the muscular system and the respiratory system and the elimination. So all of that was all systems. So, of course, I did really well, graduated second in my year mm. from phys ed college and then from there went into psychology. Um, but I still didn't lose sight of this, I want to be a doctor and change people's lives. And it wasn't until I got to studying psychology that I um, chiropractic actually came into our life and we met a husband and wife couple who became our chiropractors we would go and get adjusted every week and we went out for dinner because they came really became really good friends and then I asked them the question of you had the study to, uh, the opportunity to study chiropractic again where would you go and they said to Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport Iowa and I was like Iowa like why would you go there and they said, because it's the home of chiropractic, it's it's the reason we do what we do. It has an extraordinary philosophy. So the next day I went back out to La Trobe University where I was in Melbourne where I was studying psychology and um, I went and looked up Palmer College and downloaded all of this information at the time when you could only, you know, print off the whole of someone's website. You couldn't just print a page. Mm. And I went out to the quadrangle at La Trobe and I sat there and I just read these really different things and it was saying... Um, uh, about the nerve system being the master communicating system of the body. And then there was this word innate intelligence, which mm -hmm. was coined by Didi Palmer, who was the founder of the chiropractic profession. And then it said um, this different definition of health being about optimal, you know, um, physical, mental and social well-being and not necessarily the absence of disease or infirmity. And then on the top right-hand side of the page, it had click here for the doctor of chiropractic program. And I was like, and then I just started crying my eyes out as this little five-year-old jumped out saying, this is it. This is what we're meant to do. Like this is the, you know, this is the I'm going to be a doctor and change people's lives. Like I had no idea, Duncan, that mm. chiropractors were doctors. None. I thought the <laughs> only doctor that ever existed was a medical doctor. Mm. I didn't know that vets were doctors, there were naturopathic doctors, that chiropractors were doctors, that dentists were. I had no idea. I was lived in that little allopathic bubble of medical people are only doctors. Mm. Anyway, so I was crying my eyes out in um, just embracing this young this young child that that actually was going to go and explore chiropractic and understood that 
there are medical doctors that open people up, cut things and slice, dice and take things out, and yet the chiropractor could look inside, understand everything that was going on and adjust, so the introduction of a force. So there was two different ways of me being able to look inside the human body. Mm. So anyway, I drove home and... Um, I said to my uh, husband, I'm moving to America. You can come with me. We can get divorced or we can have a long-distance relationship and we all know how those turn out. So what do you want to do? And he took another three months to decide. Anyway, three three months later we were – three or four months later, maybe even less actually, we were uh, sold everything that we owned down to a few cardboard boxes and we were living in America and uh, we were studying and I was on my way to be a doctor and change people's lives. Oh so God. that's kind of like the short and the skinny yeah. of, uh, of how it uh, how it, how it is, took Isn't that incredible? Thank you. I mean, that's a beautiful. And, uh, you know, having, having listened to a couple of other chats, which I'll link into the show notes as well because I think it's really in- you know, it's beautiful to get that robust sort of perspective um, and the wisdom that sort of comes through that. And, and I think what a celebration to be able to to crack through, mm. you know, a, 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 an ideology that that uh, or a narrative, you know, to be able to go, hang on a second, there's more. You know, there's 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 more. And I, and you know, if I didn't if I didn't have my dad at the age of seven. When he placed his hand on my heart, and you've probably heard this from from other interviews you may have listened to, when he placed his hand on my heart and he said, Sarah, you have all the answers inside of you, all you have to do is ask the question and trust your answer. Yeah. And so that started my whole journey into trust. And then at the age of 10, when I coughed a couple of times in the kitchen, my mum whisked me up to my uncle, who was our medical doctor, to get another prescription for amoxicillin, to then go to the pharmacy and get it prescribed, to then get home and she, you know, gets the glass of water, pops the pill and says, there you go, darling, this will make you feel better. And I've just turned to her with this thought of what my dad taught me three years prior and just said, no, thanks, I'm going to go and rest. Mm. Because I asked the question and the answer that came back was rest. But if I hadn't have had that kind of journey, I wonder what would have happened when I got to you know, into my mid-20s where we're selling everything we own and going to mm. to uh, live in America. Because one of the questions I got asked, Duncan, was how are you going to afford that? Mm. And I was like, I don't know. I just know that this is what I'm meant to do. Like this is my lane. This is where this is the doctor that changed people's lives. Mm. And so as it is, we we, you know, we arrived at, Davenport, Iowa, and we started at Chiropractic College. We worked five jobs between the two of us mm. to get through college, but we also were the recipients of the largest endowed scholarship in chiropractic, and we both got it. Wow. So when you, you when you know, you just know there's this, um, as we've said to our kids, that if you're moving through life and there's suddenly there's concrete, mm then you know that that's not your flow. You just got to pivot slightly and it might be pivoting like a millimetre or it might be a 180 degrees turn. But Mm. either way, if you pivot, all of a sudden the doors, you know, start to open again. So, Mm. um, you know, it's been a valuable, valuable lesson that my dad taught me at the age of seven and that I taught myself at the age of 10, knowing that when I went to rest, I actually didn't die. Mm. (laughs) I just I just rested yeah, yeah. Um, and and didn't buy into that whole, you know, fear of 
you have something, we need to go to someone to get something to take it away. And mm. um, that's been a, it's been an awesome journey for me in, in trust. It's amazing. And, uh, and, uh, and we know with BJ Palmer, you know, one of the, the terms that he coined was, um, and hopefully I don't bastardise this too much, is that when we, you know, the... the You never know. Yeah, the... Something you may think... I, so I did write it down somewhere, but, but yeah, you know, the, the, the energy that the universal intelligence that created the body heals the body. Yeah. You know? and, and if we have the courage... And just paraphrasing, we've heard the courage, and you know, I guess my definition, we love words. I, I know you love your words and stuff. Yeah. But the word courage, how it resonates to me is that first movement inwards, you know. And we know when we look at things like your um, David R. Hawkins, you know, power versus force model mm. from a kinesiology base is that, you know, the pivot point seems to be that same one that resonates at courage and where we move from a, a, a force life to a power life. Mm. And, and that power is that innate and it's stepping into that inner, inner side of things. And, I, you know, you look at with BJ Palmer from what I've, what I've read with him over the years and certainly refreshed again um, just of recent times, you know, there is a wisdom that's sort of a, a knowing that there's a universal intelligence and it's, it's, almost a, it's almost a conspiring towards moving us towards return to wholeness, which is that, you know, the, 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 the wholeness of who we are, which is that innate expression. Not the limited view that we actually have with an external based reference point or locus of identity, an internal based innate quality, which is quite incredible. And I find the, the uh, there's so many areas we could go into, but I, I'd love to just hear your thoughts on just that that universal intelligence, you know, because it seems to be a you know, there there is that trust in that universal intelligence. And I, I I'm I, you know, it's not religion. That's not where we're going with it. It's, you know, for me, it's there is something far, far more, which is the, you know, the energy that created the body heals the body. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting, you know, it's if we're at a conference and you do like a breakaway group, right, Mm. and you've got, you know, two, three, four people in a group, two, three, four people in another group, then we know through, you know, the greats of Zig Ziglar and other, you know, uh, personal development people mm-hmm. that when two or more minds come together, a third mind gets created. There's mm. something that that's something that gets created, and it's no different in the body. If we take that journey inside, then we've got systems and organs and tissues and cells and organelles and molecules and atoms and subatomic particles and vibrations and energy light. You know, if we go right down deep into that funnel, and when everything is connected, there is this intelligence that runs it. Mm. And the overarching system for that, uh, you know, the running of that is the nerve system. So we Mm -hmm. have this innate intelligence that utilises the nerve system in order to make sure that everything is coordinated and functioning together, that there isn't miscommunication between those um, cells or there isn't miscommunication between the brain and the body, that Mm -hmm. it is, you know, well-functioning. Now, you said something just before which was really interesting about the word wholeness. Mm. And 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 I'd like to if we if we could go into this mm. whole conversation about what is health because useful yep. it, yeah I, I think it's really useful and and if we're there's two different ways well actually there's three different ways we can look at health from an allopathic perspective a alternative perspective or an alternate perspective but if we just look purely at what is health first of all mm-hmm. 
So when I was studying uh, phys ed, no one could define health. It was it mm. was not ever defined. And then when I went into psych- study psychology at La Trobe University, which at the time was the place to study psychology, they still weren't defining what health is. Mm. And in that those particular models, there was always this unsung kind of definition that health was about how you feel. And if you felt fine, then you were healthy. You deemed yourself to be healthy. Other people deemed you to be healthy. Institutions where you went to deemed you to be healthy because you felt fine. Mm. And yet when I was on the uh, Sunshine Coast, when I was living there, I wanted to find out what people thought health was because I had parents that we were seeing in practice coming to me saying that the allopathic approach to health or the medical doctor that they had been to with their child, that particular person was telling these parents, and there was a number of them, a flurry of them that came in, they were being told that they were irresponsible parents if they weren't giving their child a drug. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, okay, how are all these people interpreting health? Like I want to know more. So I went to the Sunshine Coast Plaza. I stood on a corner. I didn't ask centre management. I just asked people. I probably was doing the wrong thing, but I had a clipboard and a pen in my hand and would just ask people, what's health? Well, anyway, I got a whole lot of responses. I went home and I organised them in my systems-orientated way, Mm -hmm. and then I noticed that there were five key responses that people had, and these were having no pain, having no signs or symptoms, eating right, exercising, and being happy. Mm. So all of those five states, those top five responses, were all feeling states. Mm -hmm. It was all about avoiding something so you didn't have to feel something. Mm. So then I thought, well, if, if medications make you healthy, if that's how we are defining health, is about how you feel. If you don't feel healthy, you're going to go to someone to get something to take something away and therefore you're going to be given a prescription for something and you're going to consume that. That's going to create an illusion that's not there anymore and you're going to say, I'm healthy. Mm. So if people are, uh, uh, are looking at health in a linear line, health's here, disease or death is here, and you're going to do everything you can to stay at that top end, Mm-hmm. So then that begs the question, doesn't it? Well, then if health is about medications mm-hmm. and it's the medication that gives you the health, then shouldn't the healthiest people be the ones taking the most medications? Mm. Yeah. And you have to ask that question, right? And and the answer is no, it, it's it's not. You know, health, as I said before, in terms of its definition, is that optimum physical, mental, and social well-being and not necessarily the absence of disease or infirmity. So what that says to us is that just like a magnet, you can have a positive and a negative side. Mm -hmm. And if I said to you, okay, Duncan, just cut off this positive side, Mm -hmm. you can't do that because there is negative and positive and positive in negative. In fact, you don't know health unless you know sickness or dishyphen ease or even disease. You don't know the other side. So life is full of both sides. We need both. Mm-hmm. And as I was alluding to before, when we go into the body from systems to organs, tissue, cells, organelles, molecules, atoms, subatomic particles, vibrations, energy, light, when we break down the light, we have a positive and a negative charge. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
So our body is made up of polarity everywhere. So we have toxic and tonic reactions going on at the same time. We have cell growth and cell death going on at the same Mm -hmm. time. We have sodium and potassium pumps occurring across cell membranes, arguably one's positive, one's negative, occurring at the exact same time. And if we extract that outside of our body into the universal intelligence, well, we have the same thing. We have we have um, flood and we have drought. We mm-hmm. have famine and we have obesity. We have high tides and we have low tides. We have um, light and we have dark. It's there. It's everywhere and all around us. So health then in, in terms of its definition We've defined that as the optimum, you know, physical, mental and social well-being and not necessarily the absence of disease or infirmity. But when I ask people around the world, what is health, people always yell out, well, it's, you know, natural or it's uh, no signs and symptoms or it's any of those five things that I've mm-hmm. said to you that they are. But then I ask people, but what truly does the word health mean? Mm. And most people don't ever look at health like that because they're not, they're not like me. They're not like a word nerd looking at what the root meanings of words are, right? But health actually means wholeness. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that word then, like what we were alluding to before, you have to have both sides in order to express your health, in order to understand Mm -hmm. one side or the other. You have to have both. It's no different to saying um, if if we go back to that conference and you're all in that room together, you've got that mastermind person, it's no different to that person saying I've just experienced failure. Well, how do you know what failure is if you haven't had Mm. success and how do you know what success is if you haven't had failure? So it's no, it's not, the body is no different. We it has this innate intelligence that utilizes everything within it and understands this homeostatic mechanism that sits internally, which creates the the seesaw for us that keeps yes. us in balance. Mm. Um, I love I this. This is this is fascinating because it's one of the things. Sorry to jump in, but it's the that's right. <clears throat> what I see is that that we, when we look at the amplitude of a of a you know we so the the greater the amplitude that we actually see or the greater, you know, if we look at the, so if we look at, um, if we look at the positive and negative, you stay with that analogy side of things and the greater the amplitude without the greater movement is needed is required to bring ourselves back. So if we've got a health expression, which I love your terminology on that, I think it's just, I've changed everything now in my language <laughs> around that. Yes. I even just had a chat with my son this morning as he's heading off to, he's a, personal training at the moment and he's snotty and all that sort of stuff and i'm looking at his diet going mate come on and and you know and i said mate you've got a health expression what's it trying to tell you and and i and i think what i what i look at with that is that is that come back to this universal intelligence is it's conspiring to bring us closer and closer to that we actually come into our innate Mm. now i know I know I did a lot of study, and one of the things that really drove me in the early days was I did a work with Anshua and a new start for underachievers. I did a course with those guys, which is actually looking at, and we we have a very similar journey about the, you know, I had a what they would probably call a dyslexia of some sort and ended up with the blue glasses, not the Irwin lenses. But I was able to recalibrate my brain so I can read incredibly well. But that was the second year of uni. So the whole of my upbringing, I was dumb. And I was even called dumb by a matron when I was going to do nursing in year 12, you know, at the end of year 12, back back when they used to do in-hospital training. So 
what was what was fascinating about it was that you know when you when you look at a child you know they're born with these reflexes Babinski uh, glance um you know Palmer reflex everyone's familiar you put your finger in the the hand of a child and it grabs onto it sort of thing and all those reflexes are designed to stimulate this body into to gaining postural control so then we can actually engage but we need to be able to we need to be able to metabolize those those reflexes those re, those things because if we have them pre-existing what we see is you see these kids fidget all the time they've got this gallant reflex that, and this is what i was sort of seeing you know and um and I think this is what we happen in life is that life actually has this this way of actually trying to you know bring us back into this this calibration but sometimes we need that subluxation you know uh, to to really get us to recalibrate in a particularly different uh, you know in a different area and and, and as we get and, and again this is what I'm starting to think or see is that as we become closer and closer to the innate the amplitude drops you you don't have to go through catastrophe to realign you don't have to go through extreme disease to realign mm. you can just have that little bit of a oh that's really interesting that's pulling me in that direction there tell me more that's a health expression okay back into this position here and we actually start to have instead of these great sort of sojourns out there's mm. a lot more efficiency uh, mm. there's a lot more alignment yeah that's that's what's sort of popping into my mind with it yeah and and you know as i say to many people life is a series of adjustments not a series of treatments and if we look at a three-legged stool then the three-legged stool uh, or the way in which we have those series of adjustments or a way part of me in which we create neurological disturbance within our body in our body Mm-hmm. is via three means so it's physical chemical or emotional mm-hmm. is is how we you know change so and then in the in the chiropractic world it, it it's important to look at all three of those Didi palmer wrote about those back in the 1800s that it's you know physical chemical and emotional and if you have a three-legged stool if you have one you know one leg that lifts up then you know the stool is not balanced it's it's mm. all over the place so making sure that we recognize that there are physical chemical and emotional challenges that we create inside of our body in order to have that growth experience but there are also those outside of ourselves that also create stresses within our body mm. um, uh, as well that we also utilize in order to have that that growth um, experience. So, mm. so for for us in chiropractic, like you've you've mentioned that word subluxation. So if we just go back to the allopathic approach first and take the journey into that subluxation world or that adjustment world. The allopathic approach, and, and again, I'm going to share a little bit about three approaches. These aren't health professions. Um, they're not interchangeable words. Mm-hmm. It, these, this is an approach to health, and it's called the allopathic approach. And I wanted to find out what pathic meant when I went on my journey back in mm-hmm. 2010 where I made it my mission to organise the world's health information into bite-sized pieces so people could understand that they had choices as to where they would go and what they would do with their health. So pathic actually means remaining passive, and and we see that, don't we, in the Mm -hmm. allopathic approach. So we could put, for example, medicine in this as an example of a health approach that would sit here. Other health approaches can sit here as well as long as you can fulfil all the criteria. 
Mm-hmm. So this is where you would go to someone to get something, to take something away. And in that journey to that person, like what I would do with my uncle all the time and my mum would take me up to him to get something, to take something away, I would sit there as this passive participant in my search for health as if it's gone missing and I'm not active in the role. In fact, I've gone to someone who is deemed or been told that he is more intelligent about my body than what I am. So I sit there and I listen to that person tell me what is, inverted commas, wrong with me. And then I would leave and I would leave with a prescription And then we would go and get that prescription fulfilled and then the consumption of that prescription is called a treatment. So when I look at my word nerd dictionary about the word treatment, treat means to deal with and meant means mind. Mm -hmm. So when you are putting something into your body, you're dealing with your mind only. It's like I was saying before, you cut yourself off at your neck pretty much that your head is now saying that, It's no longer there, but it is actually still there. You just can't feel it. You are numbed to the whispers that your body gives you. Mm -hmm. And so you're not feeling it anymore. You deem yourself to be healthy. But the function of your body is being constantly compromised with every consumption of that tablet that you are having. So we create this illusion and we look at the word illusion going backwards sean's condition of you being ill so it keeps us and perpetuates us from um, being ill so if you're dispensing drugs or performing surgery of any kind this is the this is the bucket that you sit in in terms of the approach not the bucket sorry the approach the allopathic approach And it's very much driven on fear. And Mm. there is no innate intelligence in the body. In fact, you just stop at the atoms. Atoms can't be broken down any further. They have no intelligence within them. Um, There is just nothing in them. It's just empty space. And we know that that's not the case from what Einstein said. Actually, there is lots of energy within those atoms. Mm. So um, that's that allopathic approach. Now, when people are leaving the allopathic approach, they're moving moving they're moving out of it but they're still looking for something because they're still interpreting health they're still defining health by how you feel they just don't want the harsh pharmaceutical laboratory made petrochemical industry made mm-hmm. medications to put into their body so they go into what's called the alternative health approach now for years mm-hmm. there was only these two health approaches that mm-hmm. if you weren't doing the allopathic you're in the alternative and there's hundreds of health professions that sit here in this alternative space So a native, when you look at alternative, native actually means offering a choice or instead of. So instead of having aspirin in the allopathic approach, you'll have willow bark in the alternative approach. The big thing here is you are still approaching health from a feeling perspective. You're just deciding to do it from nature than from laboratory. Mm-hmm. So there, there are natural remedies that are given instead of drug and surgery. However, you still approach health from how you feel. So you're still searching for something as if your health has gone missing. Mm. So you're still going to someone to get something to take something away. However, in this particular approach, the alternative approach, the professions that sit in this bucket 
begin to acknowledge that there is an inner intelligence. They mm. don't call it an innate intelligence, or they didn't years ago. Now they kind of do because it's a bandwagon type term. Um, however, it did start with D.D. Palmer, the founder of the chiropractic profession. Mm-hmm. He coined the term innate intelligence. So people start to acknowledge that there is this inner intelligence and there's kind of less diagnosis done, there's more suggestions that are made and time is given to decide what you want to do about it. Mm. You know, they're not calling you on the phone, you have to come in for that chemo today because you have to. So there's 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 less of that, I guess, bullying factor from mm-hmm. a from a pharmaceutical from a, a allopathic approach and um a more of a, you know, acknowledgement that there's an inner intelligence you're on a journey you're looking for something different mm-hmm. when i was doing and putting all of these together there was a whole lot of points that didn't actually make sense and so i made a third health approach mm. and and called it i wanted i wanted it to start with a so that people and the public and policymakers could actually remember it and then i found and scoured my word nerd book and came up with the word alternate where nate actually means inborn so now we see something completely different to the allopathic approach. It's almost its antithesis. Mm-hmm. And when you enter into this particular health approach, everything is perfect. Everything mm-hmm. in your life that you create, you don't get, you don't catch, you create, everything that you create in your life is designed to nudge you closer in some way, shape, or form to where you're meant to be. Mm. Some of those experiences are extremely challenging and some of those are are beautiful to engage with. Either way, good or bad, uh, it doesn't matter. They're all there for an experience for you to have in order for you to grow. Mm -hmm. So there is absolute perfection in this and absolute balance and everything when we go down into the hierarchy like I did before of the body and we end with that energy where there's that positive and negative charge, that's where it sits here. So there's absolute intelligence within the body. Mm -hmm. And health from this perspective comes from a functional perspective rather than a feeling perspective. So health is, you know, this is where the definition of health would actually sit. This is where the root meaning of the word health actually sits. So it's about wholeness. It's about, you know, optimising our well-being and not necessarily the absence of disease or infirmity. But the, the seat of all of this is the master communicating system of the body, which is the nerve system. Mm. There's not one thing that you can do in your body without neurological function. The cells won't work, the systems won't work, the organelles, the molecules, the atoms, the tissues, everything. It, it, they will not function unless there is a nerve supply going there. Now, the nerve supply can create miscommunication, much like when you're on the telephone and you've got static on a line and a friend says, I'll meet you at the park and you end up at the pool. The same thing happens with the body between the brain and the body or the brain and the organ, the cells or everywhere. There is that um, uh, ability to create miscommunication via those three areas, physical means, chemical means or emotional means. So we know that our emotions, our thoughts change our physiology. We know that. Mm-hmm. You know, it only takes one thought for a man to get an erection. That's how easy our thoughts can can mm-hmm. can change. 
The other ones are chemical, so the things that we put into our body or onto our body are going to change our physiology. And then obviously there's the physical stresses. So um, children before the age of two have up to 2,000 different falls in their lifetime. So mm. it's there's a major insults that happen. There's car accidents, there's, you know, EMFs, there's junk food, there's um, death in the family, all of these different ways, physical, chemical, and emotional, that impact our system that have us change our own physiology based on our perceptual understanding of what we see and what we experience, which then changes the physiology and sets up the signs and symptoms to alert us to something is going on within our mm. body, in our life that requires um, our thought, it requires conversation, and it requires an adjustment. So mm. an adjustment in, and, and again, in this alternate approach to health, this is where chiropractic would uh, would sit as a profession and other professions are welcome to come and sit in this as long as, again, you can fulfill the criteria. Yeah. So an adjustment, unlike the treatment where we, we've already explained that that is um, treat means to deal with, means mind, so you're only dealing with your mind, creating the illusion that something that doesn't exist. Well, in chiropractic, when we create neurological interference within our body, we call that a subluxation. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at the root meaning of that word, sub means less than, lux means light, and Asian is a conditional. So this is a condition of less than light. Remember, if we go through the hierarchy and we go all the way down to energy, we have a positive and we have a negative charge. Subluxation is the creation of a, uh, a condition of less than light within the body. It's like a dimmer switch that's mm. gone and been turned on. So then you would receive, not because anything's wrong, but because everything's right, you would receive an adjustment. Mm. Now, adjustment is add means move to, just means center, and meant means mind. We move the mind back to center. Wow. Because remember, in order to create those subluxations, we have to see the 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 situation that we see or the situation that we experience within, we have to polarise that into mm. whether that's a good experience or not a good experience. Mm. And the art of the adjustment, the physical adjustment, the introduction of that force into the body is the adjustment, the moving of the mind back to centre. So we realign with our spine and with the divine. Now, the reason why chiropractors look at the spine and look at the cranium is because the most important organ of the body or organs of the body that your innate intelligence said was so important at the at the three-week mark in utero and is the creation of the nerve system. Mm. And that is our central nervous system, which is our brain and our spinal cord. And the innate intelligence said it's so vital to your well-being and your life that we're going to encase it in bone mm. because it needs absolute protection. Mm. So the easiest way for a chiropractor to access your nerve system is via your spine. But every single level of your spine now goes to an organ it, and that organ has an emotion, and then there's the physical aspects of your body and the movement. So the key to life then in this particular approach is movement mm -hmm. 
and energy. And it's the movement of the energy, what other people would call chi, we just call it energy in, in chiropractic, mm-hmm. understanding that our nerve system is the master communicating system. So really we probably in an allopathic approach would be called neurologists, but mm-hmm. we don't. We choose to be a separate system in chiropractic. We are chiropractors, and as a result of that, we work with our hands and the nerve system because we understand that how you function and adapt to life are so vitally connected that mm-hmm. in order for you to adapt to your life, you want to make sure that you have you know, um, neurological integrity within your body so that you can be the self-healing, self-regenerating, self um, maintaining and um, self-creating organism that's constantly adapting to your environment. That's brilliant. I'm just I'm sitting there just. I had somebody say to me, "How do you know something is true?" And if you really sit with it, because it's familiar. And I'm just sitting there, just going, oh, you know, that just the, the the soul level wisdom that sort of sits in that space. From what you said, I'm, believe me, I'm, I'm sure people are going to be rewinding that part over and over again to really have an intimate understanding of it. Because I think the what I look at, and one of the things that I'm really interested in, because it's my it's been my journey, is moving from an external based identity. And if you've got an external based identity, so an identity, what I see is, and we've seen this, you know, philosophize or, or, or put forward, I think Bruce Lipton also talks about it as well, you know, is that, you know, by the age of seven, your base programs are set, you know, there's a real conditioning that sort of occurs. And and this is, this really can go off into, well, I won't go there, but it's more to do with initiations and, and the recognition of these, these phases where we move from an external based identity to an internal. And it's celebrated like with the bar mitzvah or the or the bath mitzvah and, you know, and even in indigenous cultures as well, there's a celebration as we move you're no longer a, a, a dependent. You are independent. There is an innate knowledge. And we've got the heart. The thing that I look at is that when you've got a system that's, so if we look at the nervous system, the nervous system, and and I've become acutely aware of it over the last, even, you know, just watching my kids and my stepkids, you know, as adults and stuff like that, how primed the nervous system is to a, to a, a stimulus reaction, stimulus reaction, stimulus reaction. That there is no breath, but you know, between you know, and I think it was, I can't remember who said it, but between reactions, between stimulus and reaction is a space. And if you can actually fall into that space, that's that movement in, is what we're seeing. Is and and so we see a whole environment where the nervous system is so primed. And then you couple that with an external based identity, which is all about outsourcing of our intelligence, mm. our wisdom, our our the innate is no longer possible because we have to go to an expert mm. you know and i know it's not the true definition of you know of what an expert is but uh, you know an ex is an unknown quality expert is a drip under pressure but um which i think is quite funny but it, you know <laughs> it, it, it's certainly not disrespecting people with that but it's just a recognition of of um you know holding something higher than the innate or the the divine or uh, the universal intelligence mm. you know it will and I'm fascinated with this because I think this is why we see the modalities where people will start doing things like they'll start getting adjustments and their nervous system starts to get rid of that priming. Meditation may kick in the equation. Prayer may kick in the case, whatever it might be. Just that presence, jumping into nature, salt water, ice baths, heat. A lot of that really is, is that it's actually not so much the modality 
in its entirety, it's actually the first movement of paying attention. And that ability to pay attention starts to move you from an external-based identity to an internal-based, hang on, hang on, there's more. What's going on here? Help me understand this, you know? And that's that beautiful movement in, you know, is this conspiring that actually happens with this gorgeous world that we're actually in and this gorgeous experience that we're actually having. Is this movement to bring us back into, come on, you've got it in. You know, inside of you, and I mean, we see that with the birth side of things, which, is, again, from a time perspective, oh God, there's so many different angles we can go on, <laughs> which is amazing. But we start to see that with the innate wisdom that sits with with um, the birthing woman, um, you know, and when tapping into that, you know, the wisdom that actually comes through with that is extraordinary. And having been involved in the home birth movement quite a few years ago, my kids were both born at home. Mm. Um, and you know, um, my daughter's thirty years of age now. You know, um, <laughs> you know, which is which is great. You know, but there was it. You know, there was there was it, that knowing that innate. You know, and just seeing you know their birth mum. You know, just birth them and the wisdom and experience of that is just in awe of her. Mm. Yeah, qualities side, side of things, and and then the stories as well. But yeah, look, I, I think this is what's fascinating about it because the. The return to wholeness is is and and the recognition of that and starting to tease that apart. And I really encourage anyone listening to this to to get, go back and have a listen to what Sarah was saying with this because there's there's some there's a real understanding of actually um, the power that we can actually have in our life, the experience that we can express from from that power is or the fruits that we can actually create from that power level is mm. quite extraordinary and i mean you know as a, we, we said off camera before I, I just look at you you're a beautiful demonstration of that sarah you know as we move you know uh, of what you've experienced in life you know not only from an expression of fi- the financial you know selling everything we're going over there next minute you got not only one scholarship your husband's got a scholarship you know yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. um and, and those movements forward but that that ability to actually like you know that that's sur- there's a surrender moment that actually occurs with that i'm i'm, I'm i i just I, th- I think this is so important and, and this priming of the nervous system is incredible and the modality of chiropractic to actually hmm bring that health expression to full attention mm. I think well, it's, I think it, you know, I guess it's the, you know, we look at those root words again, right? Like if you look at the word feel and you mm. look at the word function mm-hmm. and then you cut off the ends of those words, then mm-hmm. in feel, if you drop the L, you've got the, the word fee, right? And, you, and that is the price that you pay and it's not only the plethora of medications you can end up on. It can be your life when you are approaching life from that that fear-based feeling perspective. Mm -hmm. But when you look at function and you drop off the, you know, the C-T-I-O-N, then the first three letters spell fun. Mm. And life's a lot more fun when you are not going to the high peaks and the low valleys of your health because you uh you know, you are looking at you. You are well adjusted. You understand your nerve system is the master communicating system, and you're consistently having that in your life. It's like when people say, oh, "If you start chiropractic care, you've got to go for life," and it's like, "Well, why wouldn't you?" Like for me, <clears throat> like 
I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here right now in front of you as a 56-year-old woman who's never had a medication in over 30 years. I haven't entered into the allopathic or alternative health approach. It's not what I do. I've only ever had chiropractic. Mm-hmm. Our kids are now 21, 19, and just about to turn 17. They've never had a medication in their life, mm-hmm. you know, over-the-counter prescribed or scheduled. So, uh, so if I can do it in a family, and same with my husband, if I can do it in a family of five, then that's the demonstration of what's possible. It's not to mm. shame people here. It's not huh? to say, hey, look at me. It's to say, look at what's possible. This is possible that other people can actually do this journey if we change how we look at health. Mm. Unfortunately, health starts when we're so young. You know, it's ingrained from our parents. It's from mother, father, teacher, preacher, caregiver, print media, social media, and and radio. You know, there's seven different insults when we're young that are all saying to us what health is. No one can define it, but it's all just this unsung, that's the way it's always been done, so that's what we'll do. And it's not until people actually decide to stop a family pattern like I did at the age of seven when I listened to dad and at the age of 10 I actually actioned on it and then from that day forward I really told my mum and dad of any kind of sickness, what I call Mm. health expression, um, uh, going forward. And the reason why I I changed that word was because when we were bringing kids into the world and they were all home birthed as well, the last of which was a breech birth, mm-hmm. beautiful and incredible experiences. But when we were bringing them into the world, I didn't want to have them think ever that their body got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And the implying of something being sick, a sick actually means to chase. And so here we would, we'd enter a system, we just chase, you know, we'd mm-hmm. chase that sign <laughs> and that mm-hmm. symptom around and round and round until we thought that we got it. But you never end to get up because you end up, you know, down the track in in the third age, you you're now on up to 17 medications a day. Mm-hmm. You know, just prior to that, it's three to five. So We didn't want that. And in order for us to clearly and very consciously raise our children in this alternate approach to health chiropractic, then I said to my husband, we need to also be congruent with our language. He agreed. And I said, okay, the first word word I'm going to change is um, sickness. And that's why I created the word health expression purely from the position that when we look at the word expression, it's a condition of expressing, and then the word health means whole. So it's a condition of expressing the whole of you. So when our kids created health expressions like any other kid has created, they've created everything, that I never wanted them to think that their body had got it wrong, that their body was always expressing for the highest good, the body always always wants to express health no matter how many times we try to suppress it it will continue to show up and want to express the wholeness of itself Mm. and be that good or be that bad so it's not it's no different to having a a seed that goes in the ground you put a rock on top of that seed it's always going to find its way to the light Mm. and it's no different to um to the human body when we create those physical those chemical those emotional onion layers on top of us mm-hmm. and we choose not to look at it the body and, and want to suppress it the body will always keep wanting to search for yeah. health it will keep doing everything it's in its power until you get to the 17 medications where your function is you know kind of depleted there's still an innate intelligence there but mm. your function starts to get de- um depleted so it becomes harder to get to the light but 
but that's why the adjustments are so good. So we're mm. constantly realigning, realigning, realigning the mind with the body in order to peel away those onion layers to get to the essence of who we are and who we're meant to be. And so the the word health expression is that condition of expressing the whole the whole of you. So, mm. um, you know, having our kids express whatever they needed to express whilst they were going through their own health expression that they had created, who am I to say, <clears throat> pardon me, who am I to say whether what came out of their mouth was right or or not? You know, for example, our eldest boy, Anam, um, when he was five, we were just about to move to New Zealand from the Sunshine Coast. He had created a health expression. I went up to his room because I could hear him tossing in his bed. I knelt down beside him, much like my dad did at the age of seven to me, and I put my arm on his forearm with absolute certainty, and I said to him, what's going on? He said, I don't know, I don't know. And I said, yes, you do, what's going on? And he paused and he said, well, clearly I created a health expression. And I said, five, five years old, and I said, great, buddy, awesome health expression, what's it about? I don't know. Yes, you do. Is it physical, chemical, or emotional? Mm. And he said, well, it's physical. And I said, great job, buddy, health expression, physical body, what's the physical about? And he said, well, you know how you take me to the skate park? And I was taking them to Alexandra Headland Skate Park um, mm. during the day in the mornings, part of our home education routine, and um, and he said, well, you know the ramp in the middle? And I said, yes. And he said, well, you know how I haven't got down? And I said, yes. And he said, well, I think I'm going to grow in my strength and I'm going to get down that ramp. And I said, squeeze his forearm just that little bit tighter with absolute certainty in my voice. And I said, do you think or do you know? Mm. And he said, I know. I said, good job, buddy, health expression, um, physical body, grow in your strength and you're going to get down the ramp. And then two days later, he was down the ramp. <laughs> so, who, you know, in that moment, mm. it could have gone two ways. If, if, if we were a house that espoused that allopathic approach to health, then a temperature may have, a thermometer may have been brought out and the child's temperature taken. Well, we have never, ever taken our children's temperature. Never. Mm. We have in our, you know, medicine cupboard or bathroom cupboard that we call it, we mm -hmm. just have toilet rolls. That's it. Mm. Well, now they have their shavers because they're older and stuff, but that, <laughs> we don't have anything, there's nothing allopathic in our house. Mm. So, but in a house that espoused a allopathic approach, there could have been a, a thermometer, the temperature's taken, oh, my gosh, that may be a little bit high, I need to take you up to the night GP, or maybe if the mum's really panicking because it's coming from that fear, I'm going to take you up to um, the hospital or something, mm -hmm. as opposed to what we did, which is all about conversation and trust. So mm. if he is saying that that's what he's going to do, all I can do is support him in that journey and say, good job, buddy. Now, I did adjust him and kissed him goodnight and he went to sleep, but I didn't adjust him because something was wrong with his body. I adjusted him because everything was right. Yeah. And it's a very yeah. different way to to look. And that's what we say to people going kind of full circle back to that. If you go to the chiropractor, you have to go for life. It's like, well, why wouldn't you? If you are constantly adapting and changing mm. to your environment if your liver can regenerate itself every six weeks if your cells are regenerating if you've got new blood cells every 128 20 days then then you're a new you're a new person all the time so mm. all parts of you are new all the time so why wouldn't you want to make sure that you can constantly adjust to those changes that are internally taking place just makes sense
Absolutely, because the, you know the thing that you look at is that we've got this heavily outsourced environment. But this isn't there's a there's a difference between a relationship and an outsourcing, you know, and a relationship with a with a a modality that is actually works from the alternate perspective, such as with the chiropractic or any any other modality that wants to step into the to the etiology of that, is that. There is a there is a partnership. There is a relationship that actually goes on because it's you know I know for myself I've done my own sort of adjustments on myself um, in being able to sort of s- sit in a in a place and go okay well can that move and I can actually start to feel there's a movement actually occur um, and it, but it comes down to the the question of well, what is here what am I needing to understand. You know, and 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 not only just understand, but 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 just be able to. It's a discernment of of what's sort of coming through, and I and this is and so I, I've got a beautiful um, chiropractic mate. I'll, I'll, I'll probably get on a podcast down the track. He's he's incredible, and uh, you know he he'd gone to Palmer as well, and um, and you know, and we have the most amazing chats, you know, and. And it's interesting that the conversations are very much related to the that 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 health expression that I'm seeing him, him for. But there is a there's a there's a contracted in the sense of I go and and I'm not handing my whole power over to him. There's actually a relationship, much like this conversation. We're sitting side by side on my screen, you know, where you know, and to be able to have that sort of conversation side by side and go, mm, that's really interesting. That's a, what what's occurring here, and what what are you, you you seeing? And I think that's what's sort of coming through. Mindful of time, Sarah. How are we going for time from your end? Uh, probably another five. Another five. Beautiful. Well, we might. You know this. There are so many directions I'd love to go. It was funny when we first connected, it was sort of initially about homeschooling. And as I've got to know <laughs> you more, I've gone. Oh. But the the etiology of of the wisdom that sits into the the innate is is we 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 have so many facets of life that actually have that same sort of wisdom sits within it. And so this is a beautiful foundation conversation. I'd love to have you back down the track, Sarah, <laughs> you know, and if that resonates with you. But because I think there's there's other modalities we can go to, but I think this is a beautiful foundation that we're sort of creating here around the language, you know, and understanding. And, and again, as a as I've, I, I really want to, probably the ethos for this nutritious conversation is to be actually able to move from an external-based identity because I, I when you're an external based identity and actually it applies for an internal as well but whoever controls the narrative controls the people all right that's a so what's the narrative in your mind and who's controlling that now when you actually start to work on your own internal that narrative yourself and you begin to have and again this is why language is so important um, and you know where people say oh, I'm dyslexic and on this and all that. Well, you and I are both examples that that's not an ex- that's not a reason to not delve. You know the the wisdom is is beyond the mind, but the mind can then instead of having an external stimulus of the mind and the narrative there, we can have this internal. You know, and being able to sort of like you said, you know that those that beautiful analogy that you use where two people sort of get together if they're working from that same innate, we have an increase in the amplitude of that wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, and the divine sort of sits within that. Mm-hmm. 
mm. you know, and I, or the universal intelligence sits within that, which is which is quite amazing. Mm. Is there anything you'd like to sort of leave? And I'm, I'm, we'll probably wind up here, but I seriously, I, I could chat to you for hours, Sarah. I've just, <laughs> I've got note after note after note, <laughs> just. <laughs> Thank just because the, the richness of who you are is just incredible, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I love this. I absolutely love it. But if there's anything, yeah, you'd like to leave with a, with a, a thought? Hmm. Well, probably I'll finish with a quote. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a quote that I came across about maybe 20-odd years ago, uh, but I still use it today in the presentations, no matter where I'm presenting around the world or locally or anything like that, I always use it. And, it, and it's by the Buddhists, and they say this. They say, we'll teach them the illusion until they're ready for the truth. Yeah, wow. And then, you know, and that's when I went, you know, diving into maybe this is a podcast for another day, but I went diving into that definition to kind of really unpack that and, you know, what does that look like? But suffice to say, it, when I mentioned before, an illusion is a condition of you being ill. You know, we'll, we'll we'll keep teaching you this illusion until you're ready for the truth. And the truth is, health is not about how you feel; it's about how you function. Mm. And the the deep seed of that is that you have these multitude layers to the internal part of your body, which your innate intelligence just runs through. We're not thinking about the food we digested at breakfast. We're not thinking about whether we need to go to the toilet, blinking our eyes, sloughing of the skin, beating of the heart, breathing, any of that. We're not consciously thinking. It's something that is done, um, done for us. So. Uh, you know, and the overarching part of that is the nerve system. That would probably be my my takeaway, my takeaway oh. for people. <laughs> God, I love that. I, I listened to uh, another interview and I've actually got that written down in my book because it really just, that, I think that really articulated it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Sarah, absolutely love you. I think you're incredible. Um, you, you, you're an amazing demonstration. And, you know, and as, as a lot of us and myself included, as, you know, moved, are moving back into the, the innate expression, you know, I, 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 I love that we actually have that demonstration out there of people like you in this world. So much love. I appreciate you, Sarah, and uh, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely we can get into the philosophy. That's one of my areas as well. I love that side of things too. Nice. No. Right. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Sarah. I'll hit, hit stop and we'll have a quick chat afterwards. Thanks so much. Thanks. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.